Welcome to the official podcast of the Advanced Movers Initiative in Spring Ranch ISD in Houston, Texas, where we are providing opportunities for every child, every day, every minute, every way. We hope to energize, motivate, and inspire you by the great things that are taking place in our school district and community. If you want to join the conversation, hop on social media by visiting us today on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. But I'm here to talk to you about mental management. And, and uh, you know, when you start talking about the mental side of sport, what percentage of your sport, once you get beyond the beginning level and you're starting to participate in a highly skilled, what percentage of your sport is mental? I will entertain an answer. 100%. At least, not maybe not 100, but it's dang close. You know, it's 80, 90%. 5% equipment, 5% luck, but a lot of it's mental. So how are you training your athletes mentally? If it's such an important part of the game, what are you doing to train them? And we're gonna talk about some of those things today. First of all, and everybody should answer this one easy because you got out of school and you got to come here. How many people woke up excited today? How many people wake up excited every day? We're going to come back to that question in just a second. Because if you want to be great at something, you have to have dreams. Do your dreams from the time you wake up in the morning fill your day? Are your dreams something of passion and tenacity? Is it something that excites you and makes you want to get up and face that day. If you want to be great, that's what the great people do. They wake up, they're excited, and they go about to fill their dreams. They have great dreams. Great dreams equals the potential to do great things. Doesn't mean you're going to, but it gives you the potential to do that. Potential in sport is the ability to think well, to think correctly. And we're going to talk about that quite a bit today. Characteristics of a champion, they're strong-willed, they have dreams, they're willing to make a long-term commitment to those dreams, and they're hungry. That's why one of the hardest things to do is when you get to the top, is stay at the top because you quit being hungry. You quit getting up every day to power through that day and make yourself better because you're number one in the world. I've been fortunate enough to coach number one in the world. And to, keep, to make them focus and to keep them hungry was a bit of a challenge. But they were good at it. <coughs> Understand, what you aim for influences what you get. You know, if you aim for the stars, you may end up on the moon. Pretty cool place to be. You know, where you want to be, but it got you further than more good. So don't be afraid. Be afraid to aim high. And the process, and this is really important, the process has to be what floats your boat, okay, what makes you excited. If all I had in my life were for two weeks I was spending at the Olympics, uh, that'd be kind of nice. But that would be much of a life if you look, I'm really old. You know, 61 years, take out two weeks, that's not much. So the process that got me there, the working with the top athletes, the working with the top coaches, the traveling the world, that has to be what you love. And in my case, my archers, they have to love drawing that bow back and shooting it. Their passion has to come from
from shooting a perfect shot and doing it over and over. So do you have that passion? When you wake up in the morning, if you want to be great, you have to be able to find that passion. And it doesn't have to be sport. It can be be the best mom you can be, be the best dad you can be, be the best lawyer you can be, be the best trash collector you can be. Be all there where we are. Every day is a day to wake up and pursue your dreams. Wake up excited every day. I've been doing the job I'm doing now for a really long time almost 40 years. There has not been a day in my life that I did not want to go to work. Not a day in life. That's a winning life right there. That's what you want to do. Find a job you love. Find a passion and you never have to work a day in your life. Okay, let's go on to something else. Mental management. Mental management is the process of having a consistent mental performance on demand when you're under pressure. The process of having a consistent mental performance on demand when you're under pressure. And when you have to shoot that free throw to win the game, time to run out, you got one shot to win it off, can you have a consistent mental program? Or in the back of your mind going, oh my God, I've got to make this or I'm going to be the biggest goat in the history of the world. That's what you have to train yourself for. That's what you have to train your athletes for. Is how you do that. Okay. Just a couple of things in pressure. Thank you. Two colors. This is pressure. And the pressure that came on ASAP. Okay. When you when we start talking about athletes, we, we talk about there's a there's a conscious mind, a subconscious mind. And a creative subconscious. Uh, that's also known as your ego. Okay. So if I'm a coach and I I want to train somebody, I want to teach them something, I'm going to talk to them about it. I'm going to, if I'm doing a new offense or you know a new technique in archery. So I come in and I tell them all this stuff that goes into their conscious mind. Okay. So now I've got this. got all this information in their conscious mind, but I don't have anything to do their subconscious. And when we talk talking about operating in sport, where do we want to operate? Do we want to operate on the conscious level or the subconscious level? Subconscious level. Now you don't want to be running down the court and stop to shoot a three-pointer and have to go, oh gosh, I'm uh, 36.5 feet away from the basket. I need to throw it this hard. You see the basket, you've done it a million times, you let your body do what it knows how to do. Okay? So you want to operate from the subconscious. So, well, we've got all this information in here, how do we get it in here? Well, we've practiced it a thousand times, right? Okay? Now, if I've got a kid that's, when he's coming off of his release, his hand's coming out, that's not a good thing. I want the hand to stay in tight. So, we talk about the hand staying in tight. We pull a target up about five feet away, and they shoot with their eyes closed, just working on getting this to happen when they release the string. And it will do it thousands of times. 
And then once we think we've got it down, we'll let them open their eyes and do it with their eyes open, even though there's no target out there. They're just done. And then if they can do that right for a couple of thousand times, then we might put a target up. And if they can still do it right, we back the target up a little bit and we let them work it back so that this becomes what we know best. Pressure always causes you to revert to what you know best. That's a really important statement. Pressure causes you to revert to what you know best. So if you're trying to make a change, how hard do you have to work to get that to be what you know best? Well, so we work it over and over and over and over again. And now we still got this. Right. So we now told them what they need to do. They've practiced it over and over and over. So what we're hoping at that point is, is that change that we have made has made a positive effect on their performance, which makes them feel good about themselves. Okay, that's where you want your athlete to be when you go into a competition. Okay, does everybody understand that? That's called being in balance. When the knowledge, the practice, and the confidence is all on the same page, that's where you want your athlete to be when you go to a tournament. So as a coach, I need to look at where is that next big tournament? What do I need to do? Our, our, we don't have any big tournaments in the fall. So we make huge changes in the fall because that gives us the entire fall and part of the spring to get where we need to be. But you want your athlete in balance. Do not ever change something the week before a tournament. Unless it's just a catastrophe happening in front of your eyes, you're not going to do that. Any questions about this? That's not what I came to talk about. I can't talk about no management. Process of having consistent performance. We talked about that. Number one, what can we do to do that? What can we do to do that? I apologize, I have to put my glasses on. Man is a goal setting animal. You want to you want to you need to set goals. And to do that, you want to, if you're going to be setting goals, define your goal. Number one, define your goal. What is it you want to achieve? Number two, when do you want to achieve that? When do you want to achieve your goals? Number three, what pre prevents me from achieving that goal? You're writing all this stuff down, so you've got it in there. Number four, you have to answer what you put in number three. How are you gonna overcome the things that are gonna prevent you from achieving your goal? You have to make a commitment to do it. And you have to do it now. I'll do it tomorrow. You have to do it now. Number one, you've got to answer goal set. Write down your goal. As you begin to reach your goals, set new ones. And three, this is important if you can do it. Surround yourself with people who are where you want to be. 
Surround yourself with people who are where you want to be. When I first started coaching here at Texas A&M, we were, let's put it mildly, horrible. We had the shooter score of 265. You shot out of 300. You shot 265 out of 300. You qualified to go to Collegiate Outdoor National. That was a big deal. So 265 must have been a hard score. So we spent all our effort trying to get to shoot over 265 so we could go to Outdoor National. If somebody got there, yeah, he would celebrate. And then a few years after I came, we had a gentleman come back to school who had been out working in the real world for about 20 years. He had shot collegiate archery 20 years earlier. He came back and he was really good. He could shoot two nines out of that 300 on a pretty regular basis. We went in a matter of months from trying to shoot 265 to trying to shoot two nines. Why? Because we could see it done. We could see it, we could believe it. I'll talk a little bit more about that later. Number one, principles of mental management. Reinforcement. The more you write, think, talk about something, the better the chance that has to happen. The more you write, the more you talk, the more you think about something. That's why from the time you arise, do those dreams, do they fill your day? Think, talk, write. Have your goals written down. Sometimes it's a really good idea to have them on three by five note card and have them in the back of your pocket. Right there. So every once in a while you can during the day you can pull it out and look at it. What's that gonna do when you read that? It's gonna make you think about it. It's gonna make you focus on what you need to do. It'll give you a chance of being successful that day. Think, talk, write. Surround yourself with people who are where you want to be so you can talk about it. I have to go really quick here because he took all my time. <laughs> Number two, motivation. There's two types of motivation. There's internal, there's external. To be to be a champion, you have to have internal motivation. You have to have that motivation inside you. It can't be your mommy and daddy waking you up at six to go run because you're on the cross country team. You have got to wake up passionate about what you want to do if you want to be the best champion. Has to be internal motivation, not external motivation. Mental rehearsal. Flying foods. You want to mentally rehearse what you want to do. Mental rehearsal can be as effective as physical practice if it's done correctly. So what we have our kids do in the evenings when they go to bed is to lay there and visualize their shot. You know, archery is pre-shot routine and shot execution. I mean golfers do yeah. Same thing, golf is pre-shot routine and shot execution. So all they do is they just visualize coming up, boom, shooting that shot, seeing it, feeling it, and they do it in every condition imaginable. They may visualize themselves at indoor nationals trying to shoot a certain score. They may visualize themselves at collegiate outdoor nationals and the wind's blowing 30 miles an hour left to right and they're having to figure out how to deal with it. But they visualize that, they practice it over and over again and they get better. They put it in their mind over and over again. There was a gentleman named Roger Bastard back in the uh, 50s. Uh, he was a mile uh, Back in the 50s, nobody had ever broken the uh, four-minute mile. 
But Roger Bannister, every night when he went to bed, saw himself break the four-minute mile. And he did it in every condition. It may be cold and rainy one day, and there's nobody in the stands the next day. It may be sunny and 80 degrees, and the fans are screaming as he's coming down the line to break it. But he visualized it, and every single night, he would break the four-minute mile. So here we have the beginning of time. This is a timeline continuum. And right there, at the ending to the story, Roger Bastard breaks the four-minute mile on a cold, wet day. Breaks the four-minute mile. Nobody from the beginning of time, whatever you perceive that to be, to here. No one ever ran a four-minute mile. Maybe here, somebody chased by a dinosaur, but we didn't record. Okay? <laughs> But here, right there, within six months of him breaking the four-minute mile, it had been broken 29 times. How could that happen? Never 29 times. Because they saw it could be done. Because it could be done. They began to believe. The key is to be the one that believes before you see it. Believe before you see it. Page one done. Sixteen to go. <laughs> Persistence. It's, it's only seventeen. <laughs> Persistence. Never give up. Now, if you never give up, you never lose. Now, Aggies have never lost a game in their life. So you just have time on <laughs> Never give up. You want to be persistent. There's a gentleman named uh, Winston Churchill, and he was asked if England would win the war. This was World War II. Mr. Churchill. He's known for being another chatty like I am today. And he said he's going to tell a story. A story about between he and Hitler and Mussolini. We go to a pond and whoever would get the fish out of the pond would win the war. So they walk down to the pond and Hitler goes first and he jumps in and starts swimming after the fish and he's going to catch the fish. But the fish is of course way too fast. The fish swims away. Makes little fish faces at Hitler. Keeps swimming off and Hitler is about to drown because he's he's swimming and swimming and swimming. And he crawls up on the bank and he gives up. He gave up. Couldn't win anymore. So Mussolini, seeing that the swimming thing wasn't going to work, brings out his machine gun and starts blasting away at the fish. But because of your refractions and fractions and water stuff, can't hit the fish. The fish swims away. Once again, makes little fish faces. Eventually, Mussolini runs out of ammunition and he gives up. Now it's Churchill's time. Churchill comes down and he always was in his top hat and tails and looking very nice. And he reaches inside of his coat and brings out a teaspoon. And he bends down and he takes a teaspoon of the water and he walks back up and he throws it on the other side of the, the bank and goes down and he takes another teaspoon of water he takes it and he throws it on the other side of the bank. He goes back, takes another teaspoon of water, and he goes and throws it on the other side of the bank. And he goes, gentlemen and ladies, 
we're going to be here a while, but we're going to get the fish. So even if you have to empty the pond, teaspoon by teaspoon, as long as you don't give up, you have a chance to be successful. Be persistent. Number five, excellence. Excellence is not a part of life. Excellence is a way of life. If you want to be excellent at something, work at being excellent at everything. And I used to gloss over this. Okay, that was it. Let's move on. A gentleman come here named State Holmes. State Holmes has spent his youth trying to go to jail. He had had an exciting youthful existence. He just happened to be a really, really good archer. And back then, this was in the, the early 90s, we could, I could actually help somebody get in A&M. And I helped him get in A&M. Otherwise, he wouldn't have gotten in. And when he came here, he was listening to this talk. And I talked about excellence as a product. And he realized that he was a great archer, but that's all he was. He wanted to be more than a great archer. So he took that little, this little piece of advice and decided to become excellent in all the phases of his life. He won three national championships for us at A&L, uh, has competed internationally, has uh, graduated from law from a &M, which was amazing, went on to pharmacy school, was president of his pharmacy class, that's out making more money as a pharmacist now than, than uh, and is extremely successful because he decided to be excellent but when you wake up in the morning, are you going to be excellent that day? Guess what? You gotta make up your bed, you gotta brush your teeth, you gotta do the things that are required of you to be excellent. Next one. Take the offensive. You have the option, defense rarely wins. Take the offensive. If when we get a lead in our tree, I don't care what that guy's doing. All I care about is what I'm doing. My pre-shot routine, my shot execution. I don't worry about the other guy. If I shoot a 10 every time, nobody's gonna do anything better than Tyler. So I focus on taking the uh, offensive. Don't be defensive. This guy named Joe Falcone ran cross country at the University of Arkansas. Number one runner in the country, Arkansas back then, had won like 10 cross country championships in a row. They run a uh, cross country championship. They always run on a golf course for some reason. I don't know why. They just do. And they go, they, we, they get there a week early, they practice on it, they walk the course, they talk about conditions. Where do you want to make your move? What could possibly happen here? Then the race comes, bang, gun goes off, jump out, come, goes right to the front. He's winning the tournament race the whole way. All he's got to do is run to the finish. I mean, he's like 30 yards in order. Instead of just running to the end, he actually turns around and is jockeying backwards to see where, I mean, that's how far they are behind him. And he trips over a sprinkler head. Falls down, his teammate passes him for the, wins the national championship. Can you imagine that kid? I mean, he had no chance to win a national champion, and all of a sudden this kid's a national champion because the guy just didn't finish running. 
finished the race. The really interesting part was that uh, uh, his teammate the beating that pointed that sprinkler out when they walked the course. Oh, hey, how many quarterbacks go into the Hall of Fame because they get an extra 100 yards of offense when the defense goes into the prevent defense at the end of the game? An extra 100 yards of offense. Don't become defensive. Stay aggressive. Believe. Have to believe in order to achieve. Have to believe. I was giving this lecture and uh, to my intermediate archery class. My intermediate archery class is exactly that. Intermediate. An intermediate shoots one good shot out of every third. One of the gentlemen came up to me after and he goes, Frank, I'm going to be a national champion. Is that Eric Drumlow? And I kind of bit my lip and go, Eric, if you don't give it your best, you'll have a chance. And Eric was the first one in practice and the last one to leave. Every day. First one in practice, last one to leave. And he was an architecture major. So figure that out. Architecture majors spend about 20 hours a day working on architecture stuff. Yet he had time for his argument. We would go outside, we'd be shooting outside. And back then our field wasn't lighted. Eric would never quit if he wasn't shooting a good shot. He would not quit. And so we'd get there in the afternoon and we'd be flinging arrows and, and he wouldn't be shooting well. Well, he wasn't gonna leave and he'd keep shooting and it'd get darker and darker. And we're, we're shooting up to 90 meters away. 90 meters, by the way, is right out of football field. We're trying to hit a spot this big. Okay. In the wind and there. And if he's not shooting right, he keeps shooting. Well, at some point, it just gets too dark to see the target. So, Eric, we got to stop. That was one option. The other option, because he wasn't going to quit if he wasn't shooting the way he wanted to, was for him to pull his truck up on the field and shine his car lights on the target so he could keep shooting because he was going to be the national champion. His senior year, he was the indoor national champion. He finished third at collegiate outdoors, and the two score combined made him the number one ranked All-American that year because he believed he was going to be a national champion. Power. Power is knowledge. I'm gonna be on my little soapbox here. If you want to be, want to be great, beat somebody on a level quite good. The gentleman that uh, shot the two nineties that came here was a really interesting guy. We're shooting at Collegiate Nationals. This is the biggest term of the year, and. After the first day, they rank everybody so that the top archers are on the same target. And he's shooting next to the guy that is his main competition. And they come back and, and they draw back and they shoot. Well, the other guy pulls up and draws back and his arrow is not sitting on the arrow rest. There's a little cushion plunger right above it. His arrow is sitting on top of the cushion plunger. If he shoots that arrow, it's a zero. It won't hit the target it's up too high okay so all Rick has to do is let him shoot that arrow and that's an automatic 10 points he gets on this guy 
but that he couldn't do that. He goes, Psh, let your air down. Let your air down. And the guy's like, your air's on your butt and let it down. And he lets it down. Because he did not want to beat that guy knowing that he could have helped him. That's power. He beat him. That's power. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna date my I'm gonna go back there. It used to be something called East Germany. They weren't better bobsledders, they had better bobsled. Give them one of our pieces of crap and have them go down the track and see how fast they go. Play on a level playing field. That is a true champion. That is a right plan on it. Number five, nine, focus. Wherever you are, be all there. Wherever you are, be all there. Right now, you're sitting right here. You need to be right here. You need to be listening to the words coming out of my mouth. Because I could say something that is really important. Be focused because you're here. Now, just a little bit, you're going to go to lunch. When you go to lunch, be all there. Be focused. Enjoy that food. Okay? When you go to play with your friends, be all there. Have a great time. Focus. When you step on that track or that volleyball court or that football field, be all there. Let the other stuff go. Be there. Your best chance to be successful is to be where you are. Okay, I'm going to break your hearts here. When you go home tonight and you're going to need to study for that calculus test, and by the way, if you're going to come to any help, make sure you take AP, honors, calculus, physics, biology, chemistry. Take it all before you get here. Okay. When you go home to study, you can't study better if the Vampire Diaries or whatever show we're watching these days is on the TV. No, I study better with the TV on. No, you don't. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Focus. Be all there. Be all there. You will learn faster. You will learn better. You will retain more. And then you can go on study. Call your buddies or text or Twitter or whatever we're doing these days. Snappy chat. Uh, I've, uh, you know, one of the things you want to do when you speak is, is be brief, be sincere, and be seated. So I've, uh, I've uh, not been brief. I apologize for that. What questions do you have? It's going to be coaches. It's a it's a great opportunity. And when you look at the state of Texas, and you look at who has the most influence on high school kids, ninety percent of the time it's the coach. So if you're going on this journey, it's a really important journey for the kids that you're going to be working with. Prepare yourself well. Remember the things that are important. And it's not always winning. Remember to join the conversation by keeping up with us on social media by following Advanced Movers on Twitter, Facebook, and
and Instagram. We look forward to collaborating with you in the future. Thank you.